0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to For the Wind's bonus podcast edition of our weekly NFL talk, Gridiron Geek, starring me, Charles Curtis. And uh, as always, I have here Stephen Ruiz, who is uh, our mister Watches so much film that his Watch-so-much-film-that-his-eyeballs-are-going-to-fall-out guy. How are you, Stephen? I was
1: just telling Charles this off-air. I started Ryan Fitzpatrick in fantasy yesterday, so I'm, I'm not doing
0: well. Oh, it's a so little brutal when that happens, and and I, let me defend your choice here because Ryan Fitzpatrick, not a great quarterback in real life, but if he's facing the Jets and he's got a few good receivers, even without Mike Evans being suspended, I I defend that. You know, I I, I played somebody who played Fitzpatrick, and especially with bye weeks, like you know, it's not the worst thing to start that guy.
1: Yeah, I feel like he's a high variance guy. Like you're either you're going to get like a lot of points, or he's just going to just crap the bed, which. He
0: kind of did yesterday, but yeah, whatever. that was a bad game. And 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 I live in the New York area, so I you know I got to watch it. It was awful. It was just bad football all day. Uh, <laughs> let's get on with it. Uh, it's after Week Eleven uh, for Monday Night Football, and as always, we're going to just cover what happened in Week Eleven, kind of what's going on in the future, and we'll start with our four downs, our our uh, four pack of questions that we have after after this week that we need answering. So the first one. Is one that's near and dear to my my co-host's heart, which is this: is it Teddy Bridgewater time in Minnesota? And I, I just want to throw out here a little meme uh, uh, here before we get on with it, which is you know that that meme online about find someone who looks at you. So find someone who looks at you the way that Stephen looks at Teddy Bridgewater. That's that's my take. Uh, to, so over to you, Stephen. Do you is it, can you back that up?
1: That's true. If you find someone like that, then then keep them. Uh, but <laughs> Yeah, so I wrote this morning about how basically the Vikings pretty much have to bench Case Keenum just because of the what's going to happen in the off season where they have no quarterbacks under contract, so they need to figure out what they have in Bridgewater before they before they get to the off season. Otherwise, they're going to be handing out a contract blind because. You also have to think about Sam Bradford, whose knee might be his knee injury might be career threatening. I've heard reports of that. So, yeah, they need to gather as much information as they can, which makes this like a, not your typical quarterback controversy where you just pick the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Like this has this has bigger scope to it. I think. So I think they almost have to play Bridgewater over the next few weeks. I don't. It's going to be hard for them to kind of make that switch with Keenum. Leading the team to wins
0: right now, it, yeah, and that's the thing that that got me. I mean, you, you did prove it in in your piece, which you should all go and for the win and read. But you look at the guy's numbers, and he's actually been pretty darn good this season. And it's it's something we've talked about a lot with Minnesota's offense that it's just built for any quarterback. I don't want to say any quarterback. It's it may be somebody a little accurate. You know, we talked about Bradford kind of exceeding in that offense that way. Um, but it seems to me that it's it's quarterback friendly, right? You, you know, hit the, hit your guys in stride, you know, good, good route runners out there. You know, you don't have to go downfield that often. You don't have to do anything too spectacular. Just make your throws. Um, so it's funny to me that, that you talk about Casey. We had an amazing day um, yesterday against and uh, in, in went over the, the Redskins, which was a tough, tough win. I don't know. I don't know if, if you can do it. It's sort of one of those those sort of front office versus coaching decisions that's going to be really tough. Like if the front office has that very argument, we need to see what we have in Teddy before we go forward. How do you do that in the middle of a season where they're 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 doing so well? It's sort of the the coaching staff I think would blanch at that.
1: Well, I I posed this question at the end of of my post today, and I think this is the key question: Do you think you can win a Super Bowl with Case Keenum? And I don't think anyone's going to say yes to that question. So. I understand you want to keep the momentum going and the Vikings are 7-2, and two, but if the ceiling for this team isn't the Super Bowl, then I think they're doing serious damage by not playing Teddy Bridgewater and figuring out if he's someone to build around
0: going forward. I mean, that is the real question, but then you can flip it and say... Uh, Can they win with a Teddy Bridgewater who's going to come into his first NFL game in a couple of years after uh, having a a devastating knee injury that he's now come back from, which is miraculous in and of itself? But yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think this year it's Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's got to knock off a lot of rust. Uh, to do that so I think your 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 sort of argument is is pragmatic I guess you'd say but it's I don't know Steven, well well I, I, I you know no, I, I agree
1: that I agree that you're probably not going to win a Super Bowl with Bridgewater either I don't think you're going to win a Super Bowl no matter who the quarterback is unless Bridgewater is has Adrian Peterson knees and just miraculous miraculously just gets back to 100% right away so if that's the case you're not winning the Super Bowl anyway I think you're doing a disservice to yourself if you're not planning for the future rather than just trying to maximize what you can get out of this season. I think that's the problem. That's the same mistake the Vikings made last year when they panicked after the Bridgewater trade and or the, the Bridgewater injury and traded for Sam Bradford and gave away a first-round pick. I mean, I mean, I think it certainly improved that team, but not to the point where they were going to win the Super Bowl. I think they would have been better off just sticking with Sean Hill I think they would have probably finished with the same record, and they would have had a first round pick.
0: What's crazy is, by the way, that John Hill probably would have the same numbers as Case Keenum. Like, you know, that's just what this team can do. I mean, we knew Case Keenum wasn't that good when he was with was it the Texans last year you know he's not not a great quarterback it, it but here he is you know doing stuff and this just reminds me that fantasy football is a great thing because you can have a guy like Case Keenum on your team and win even though in real life you know he's not that great of a quarterback
1: that that kind of gives us an excuse just to make fun of Jeff Fisher because he was with the Rams last year and he was that's right he yes. was terrible Derek Goff was terrible now both of those guys are like 72
0: right now post yes. Jeff Fisher um, Thanks, Jeff Fisher, with, for another punchline. Ugh. All right, let's move on. Um, and this actually kind of segues nicely into our next question, which is a question we've asked before, but has to be asked again: Who is the second best team in the NFC right now? Is it is it the Vikings? Because we're gonna, I, I assume that we're uh, agreeing that the Eagles are the best team in the NFC right now.
1: Yeah, you have. I think they're they m- they're probably the best team in the NFL. I know the Patriots look like the Patriots again, but just based on the the season as a whole, you have to say you have to give that title to the Eagles right now. So for second best, I, this is a tough question to answer just because of the Vikings quarterback situation. I think if we knew what was going to happen and if we knew if Bridgewater was definitely going to be healthy, I think they'd be the obvious pick. But I think right now you have to go with the Saints. Yeah. Just because how that uh, how that defense played yesterday and the running game was even better, and Drew Brees is still... Uh, Drew Brees hasn't been that good... This year, I don't. I don't think people realize like he hasn't been Drew Brees. Like he's, I think he leads the league in yards after catch. So he's really just dumping the ball off and letting his receivers do the work. But I think that's still in him to be Drew Brees, like to pull that out of himself every now and then. He's, he can put up those typical Drew Brees performances, and I think that's what makes the Saints the best, the second best team in the NFC right now. Just because I'm not ready to. I'm, Jerry Goff has been a good story. I'm just not ready just to go all in on him. Even though I was higher on him than most. I think I actually picked the Rams as my playoff sleeper before the season. But I'm just I'm just not ready to put him over a Drew Brees led team.
0: Yeah, I wish I could disagree with you and and be like, yeah, the Vikings because you're absolutely right that the the quarterback situation is a problem. I and before, you know, when we we came to this question immediately I'm staring at the at the standings I'm going the Saints. It's obviously the Saints because the Rams. Yes, the Rams are going to come down to earth a little bit. I think the Seahawks are, are str- will struggle it's, again at some point. The offensive line is still a problem, um, and Russell Wilson's doing miraculous things despite it. Um, and the Cowboys. Man, like they've taken the it. We're going to talk about them a little bit later, but yeah, I think it's the Saints. And and let's just look at for a second at at, at um, Drew Brees' numbers. I mean, he's he's got a seventy-one. 71- 0.7 uh, completion percentage, which is you know indication that he's he's hitting like you said he, he's dumping off to guys, and and the yards after catch added to that that means that yeah he's just hitting his guys he's not going downfield too long, uh, too often his yards per game has dropped from 325 a game to 266 so there's another indication of that and uh, yeah but here's the thing, on the flip side if you have Drew Brees and you have a balanced offense like they do now with two amazing running backs one of which I was proud to get in fantasy for off the waiver wire, which, you know, Alvin Kamara is amazing to watch. Um, Yeah. If you have that and you have that offense and now you have the secondary that can, can match up with uh, other receivers and a pretty good pass rush, definitely the second best team. And you actually convinced me last week, you know, after we talked a lot about the saints, that they're actually a really, really big contender that, that they have a serious upside, you know, heading into, probably the postseason, assuming they can hold off the, the Panthers and snag a wild card spot, which I think at the very least they can. But I think they can win that division.
1: I think we'll have a better idea
0: of how to answer
1: this question over the next few weeks because these teams really haven't played each other in the NFC. The only, I'm trying to think, the only real marquee matchup we've gotten is Eagles-Panthers on Thursday night. And, you know, Thursday night games are weird. And that was kind of a weird game. The Panthers turned it over twice in their within their own 20, so the Eagles kind of had, like, free, a couple free touchdowns, and they still only won by five. So I think it's hard to really answer this question right now. But these teams do play each other a lot over the next few weeks, so we're going to have a better idea.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be an exciting finish in the NFC. I mean, the AFC, too, I think will have some intrigue to it because, you know, obviously the, the Patriots are, are going to roll and the Steelers are going to roll, but then, like, beyond that, which we've discussed before, it's like, there's still... More picture to be kind of figured out. Uh, third question we have here, which is near and dear to my heart in a, in a very negative way. Um, what, what's the next – what's the ideal next year for the, the New York Giants? And I'm going to start with this because this is the team I root for. And, God, that was so embarrassing to watch them lose <laughs> to the Niners in the manner that they did too. Um, it was just absurd to watch that game and to realize that this team – is, is lost, and and they were lost before the bye week, <laughs> you know? Um, the ideal next year for me, if I'm a Giants fan, is number one, and, and if I'm running, like, if, uh, hypothetically, I'm on the Maris, you know, or the uh, the Tishes and, you know, I'm trying to make decisions for the future. And my ideal next year is you fire everybody and start all over again uh, because I think the front office obviously deserves uh, to be ripped apart, and I think the team is, is lost on McAdoo, and McAdoo has just proven he's not a great head coach. Uh, you know, really smart guy, you know, one of those one of those coordinators that gets hired and then you realize that they're better as a coordinator, than they are as a head coach. And that's mm-hmm. totally fine. Um, but you, I, if the Giants don't realize that they're, you know, they're very much lost. And then the ideal uh, next year is you figure out what to do with the offensive line. Um, maybe that's in the draft. But for me, you know, and I'd rather have an offensive lineman, I think, in the draft, especially with the way the quarterbacks are being treated. But if it is choosing a quarterback, it's about choosing the right one. And we've sort of seen reports that say they're looking into, you know, Josh Rosen or uh, uh, Sam Darnold if he ends up coming out. So, you know, hey, that's something to look forward to, Giants fans. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think you look at the Cowboys model, which I don't I don't know if the Cowboys really planned on doing this. I think they kind of fell backwards into it, where you just build a dominant offensive line through the draft. I think that's that's an easier path to take than finding their, their next franchise quarterback and i think you have to move on from eli after this season i think that's a no-brainer what do you think about
0: that i don't know i this is the thing is there's there's like what we talked about before pragmatism there's like yeah of course let's cut eli and let's get rid of him or, or you know force him into retirement or whatever it might be but then there's like reality and the giants don't run their organization the way that that you know in that cutthroat way like i don't see them um Force him out I have to look at how much dead money he'd also cost off the cap like that could be a potentially bad move if that's the case you know if, if it's a cap uh, strangling situation with getting rid of Eli um, I think ideally they'd probably hold on to him and maybe have him compete next year with whatever that is. let's let's actually stop here and play out a scenario let's say they take Sam darnold next year okay and then they they have him compete with Eli Manning in camp which again I don't see happening because Eli's quote unquote earned the right to, to be the number one guy, uh, even though he's not anymore and probably will never be again. Um, so that, that could happen um, or they get an offensive line together, like you said, and the Cowboys absolutely, by the way, did fall into it. They, they ended up with a couple of guys who were, you know, sort of troubled um, off the field who ended up, you know, in like the supplemental draft and, you know, and, and, uh, and, and fell to them in the draft. So, you know, you you hope for that to happen. And by the way, the Giants—and this is something that my friends talk about all the time—the Giants should have taken. uh was it Tunsil? With, with you know, the night mm-hmm. of the draft, like the, he could have been the the sort of the answer there. Um, so that, yeah, I, I don't see them cutting Eli, but they probably, in an ideal world, should do something where he's not the quarterback anymore.
1: So here's the here's the contract information on Eli. If they cut him, if they designate him as a post June first release, they save. 16 million on next year's cap oh my god do it <laughs> yeah you have to do it at that point uh, uh, if you if it's before june 1st then they save a, about 10 million so i think you go with the, the post june 1st designation and save do 16 million i mean you have to if you, you i don't i don't believe in these half measures i think you you either rebuild or you don't and i think you know, they're going to signal what their plan is by how they handle Eli. I he's, I just think he's just too old at this point. He's not going to get better is the point. And he's never been consistent. So I, I think it's time to move on from him. And then after that, like I said, I think you got to build the offensive lineup first and foremost. That allows you to maybe take like a third round quarterback, kind of do what Dallas did with Dak Prescott, just take, an unheralded prospect, and and he, he, he'll look better because he's playing behind a good offensive line. And they already have the receivers in place. Beckham's going to be back. Shepard is a, he's an intriguing young player. I, I don't think Marshall's ever going to play for them again. Uh, but no. and Ingram has been has impressed. So they have the pieces for a quarterback to come in, in a, and succeed if they have an offensive line. So you need to build that offensive line first, and then find the
0: quarterback. Yeah, and by the way, let's let's give a shout out to Ingram, who has been has had the best rookie tight end season in a very long time. It's it's crazy how good he is, and it's also by necessity because there's no Beckham there. Um, I would love to talk about this more. Let's move on to number four. Speaking of the Cowboys, um, are they in trouble without Ezekiel Elliott?
1: I think they're more in trouble if they don't have Tyron Smith and Sean Lee. I, I think they can survive without Elliott, without without a problem. I, they're averaging three yards before contact before this last week uh, some teams aren't even averaging three yards per carry I think the Cardinals are averaging exactly three yards per carry that's three yards that's before contact yeah and Alfred Morris ran pretty good yesterday I think he averaged like 4.7 yards per carry I mean, Elliott's not going to give you much more than that so I think yeah I think they can survive as long as the offensive line is playing like how we expected to play in the defense it's almost like a Bob Sanders situation. Remember the, the the safety on the Colts like when he was in sure. yeah. when he was in the lineup they were like a, a pretty good defensive when he was out there the worst defense in the league. I, it's the same thing with the the Cowboys. If they don't have Lee they're just terrible and if they have him they're pretty good.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're in trouble necessarily. I think it's just there's a lot of other, you know, there are a lot of other problems with the Cowboys roster that don't involve the running back situation and I I'm, I'm still a believer like we just said you build the offensive line first. Um, although I don't know if the Giants will, um, but they should. Um, but yeah, if, if the offensive line is good, you can run anybody behind there. I mean, there was, was it, when was it that Darren McFadden, was it two years ago that Darren McFadden, before Elliott was there? And he was yeah, like was two years amazing.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: So you could run anybody behind there. And, and there have been op- opponents who have said as much. So I think it's okay. This is also an excuse for me to talk about fantasy stuff here. Alfred Morris, I think. Still, is a top twenty running back in this horrible running back situation that we have in in fantasy, um, and I think that Rod Smith is actually a really kind of useful player. And I think that if they're trailing a the game, if there's sort of a game script coming up where the Cowboys might trail, I'd start Rod Smith. I think that he's got a lot of potential to be a, a, a sort of a two two pronged attack kind of guy on the ground through the air, and and you you know that with Alfred Morris, he's just kind of a two down north south runner kind of guy.
1: Yeah, I think we're gonna find out next week when they play the Eagles. Who's their
0: front seven is just nasty. I mean, there you they, go. They just dominate the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I, I'm Darren McFadden's out the window here, but uh, uh, you know, uh, I think Rod Smith in that game. Yeah, give taking him for like what five catches, six catches. You know, if you're in PPR league, but mm-hmm. take note. Um, usually we do unpopular opinion next, but we're gonna actually do some little fun. We're gonna say which teams are officially done in the NFL, and that is going to include some teams that actually have winning records. So which teams do we agree are are completely out that we can just eliminate from the conversation entirely? Um, I'll, I'll start. Are we going to count? We'll count the Browns, right? All yeah, they're nine.
1: done. What's that? Yeah, they're done. The 49ers are done. The Giants are right. done. Right.
0: Uh, those Colts, are the
1: obvious think- ones. Yeah, Colts are definitely done.
0: Seven, yeah. All right, so let's let's go from there. Um, which other teams in the NFL are finished this year? Uh, and we can already start packing their bags, even though we're only after week 11. I'm
1: done with the Broncos. I, the defense is, isn't as good as it was with Wade Phillips as defensive coordinator, and obviously Brock Osweiler starting. I think once they made that move, they kind of waved the white flag. I think they're done. And you have to say the Chargers are done at this point. I think they're still a good team. It's just... The record, just where they are at the standings, they're not going to be able to make up that ground. Such a disappointment. But go on, finish. Who else is done though? I'll say the Bills are done. Their, their run defense has just been terrible since they got rid of Marcel Darius, I, even though I think that was a move they kind of had to make. Uh, I, I just think they're a year away, and I, I don't think the Kelvin Benjamin thing is going to do anything to improve their passing game. He's, he's just too inefficient of a receiver. So I'd say they're done. The Dolphins are probably done, and we'll we'll know Monday night if that's really the case. The Jets are also done they're they're just not good enough to keep up what they've been doing, and that wasn't even good enough to make the playoffs i I, I kind of want to say the Redskins are done i I think they they seem like they play up or down to their competition every week. What are your thoughts yeah. on the
0: Redskins I think the Redskins are are like on right on the borderline because when we were looking at this while talking about it before taping, I was like. I kind of want to say the Redskins, but they're still there, you know. They're, they're, like if the Cowboys are five and four, I can see the Redskins reeling off a few wins and suddenly being in the in the wild card conversation. So I wouldn't say done, but they're so close to it. And also, Kirk Cousins is really good later in the season. So I'm kind of like, I'm I'm going to reserve judgment on them uh, so far. But but the other ones, by the way, before we we go on, because you did the AFC, Bills done agree. I think that that's so sad for Tyrod Taylor. Um, but the rest of the team is just. It's all over the place, and 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 they, you know, hot start is kind of promising, but that, that kind of happens to the Bills a lot in the last few seasons. <laughs> the Dolphins are terrible. Uh, they're out. The Jets are terrible. They're done. Um, I think the Ravens are pretty much finished. That's a team you didn't mention. Uh, you oh, know, yeah, like I 4-5. skipped over the, – they're
1: done. I think they're done.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Bengals and the Browns, obviously, we've mentioned them. Um I think the Texans are, are three and six. I think if you're a Tom Savage-led team, you're you're pretty much finished. But that's okay. Next year is going to be really fun when Deshaun Watson comes back. Um, and yeah, the Chargers just such a disappointment. They they are uh, they are giving up more points than they score, and that just shocked me. I mean, I think that that they should be way better than that, and they aren't. And I I know I said on this podcast maybe a month ago that they could still win the. AFC West, and God, was I wrong about that? So um, yeah, I'm with you on on those. So who else in the NFC is is done So the Bears,
1: I think the Bears are obviously done after what happened yesterday. I saw, I'm still writing off the Packers. Hundley played well yesterday. I haven't really watched the game, but from what I've seen, he played well. But I'm just, I, I don't think he's gonna be able to sustain that. The Bucks are are done. I'd say the Cardinals are also done with. I mean if they had Palmer I think they'd have a chance to make a wild card run but without him uh, I don't think they have a shot.
0: And I think that's it in yeah.
1: the, the NFC. I don't, I don't think there's there are that many teams that are definitely done.
0: Right. Well, there's a part of me that wanted to say the Lions were close but no, they're feisty. They they they've got a lot of games where they stay in it. They you know, I think Stafford's having a terrific season and, and defensively they just seem to like hang in there. And that's all you kind of need right now. Um, especially for that wildcard spot, because hey, the Seahawks could be vulnerable for for that spot, and we know that the Panthers are having a little bit of uh, a little bit of trouble doing things with Cam Newton, you know, game to game. Um, but that said, yeah, I, I'm. I think, you know, what about the Falcons? The Falcons are a team who are five and four. They just won a big, big, big game over the Cowboys. Are they? They're still in it, right? Like, but do you feel that confident about them?
1: I don't feel confident about them, but I think the schedule gives them a shot, just because they play the Saints. Two more times, and they play the Panthers, so they can they can make up ground in the division if they get hot. So I think they have that going for them. And they also play the Seahawks, so the, it's still in their hands whether they make the playoffs or not, at the very least. And then going yeah. back, circling back to the Lions, I I think they're on the bubble for me right now. I, I know they've won a couple games in a row, but you got to look at who they beat. They beat Brett Hundley making his first start, and they beat the Browns in a game that they kind of got lucky to pull away late. They had like a a fumble. I think they might've had two fumbles that gave them short fields. And then they got that weird ending, that weird ending to the first half where they kind of just laid on the Browns players after that ridiculous sneak call. I think Kaiser audible to it, which was a mistake, but yeah, I, I think they were kind of lucky to make that to to cover that spread, I think the spread was thirteen and a half and they ended up 13. winning by fourteen.
0: Yeah. Yes. I was watching that. Yeah, I was watching that and going, Oh man, they're not gonna cover. They're not gonna Oh they covered. All right. Thirteen uh, points, I guess. Yeah, skin of their teeth. That is true. Um uh at a five and four though, yeah, still got a shot. Um, I think what it on... comes I think what oh, it comes God. down
1: to in that in that division is the third is the Thanksgiving game between the Vikings and the Lions. I think that basically decides the division.
0: Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's true. I think the Vikings get that. Yeah. You know, so they've much. got that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We usually do what's called uh, uh, the, the would you rather. And so uh, our would you, would you rather this week is, and this is a good one that Stephen came up with, if you're a Browns fan, do you keep the coaching staff or the front office? Stephen, what do you got?
1: I think I'm on record as being in love with the Browns front office, and this season hasn't <laughs> done anything to convince me to change that stance. I, I think – I've lost a lot of confidence in Hugh Jackson as a coach. I think he's also in that in that same category as Ben McAdoo, where he's a brilliant offensive coordinator. Although I, I don't I don't know if McAdoo's a brilliant offensive coordinator, just because we haven't really seen him without a great quarterback. But I think Jackson is a great offensive coordinator. I just don't think he's cut out to be a head coach. And why I think that is, I. I didn't like how he handled the quarterback situation early in the year, where he's kind of like said, Yeah, I'm sticking with Kaiser no matter what. He's a rookie. He's going to, he's the youngest starting quarterback in the league. He's going to have, he's going to make mistakes and I'm going to stick with him. And then, like three weeks into the season, he benches him. And then he brings him back and benches him again and then he brings him back. Like, you can't handle a quarterback like that. It just shows terrible man management on his part. And I think that's a huge part of head coaching. So I think, I, so, so I, I think the front office has done well. I mean, they have so many resources going into next offseason. They have like fifty million in cap. They have like, like, I think like thirteen draft picks, mm-hmm. and they've they found a lot of young talent. Miles Garrett's good. Emmanuel Agua's quietly been really good this season. Uh, Jamie Collins has been decent. Uh, Christian Kirksey's a good linebacker. Yeah, I think they they ha- they they've found they built up the offensive line. I'm a little higher on Kaiser than most people have been. I think he's played better than his stats say just because their receivers are just terrible right now, but they're getting Gordon and Coleman back soon. So I think, you know, that position going to improve.
0: Yep. I'm, I'm on board with you a hundred percent. I, if I had to choose one it's the front office and, and, you know, trust the process basically is what we're, where we're at, you know, the NFL equivalent of that. Um, and I, it's funny. I'm going to write about this later uh, this week about the you know in my in my Browns fan hope index, um, which you know got a little boost last week from Josh Gordon coming back. And now I think it gets a big boost if you're starting to look forward because the mock drafts are starting to come out. And I'm like, wait a second, the Browns are going to have so much to work with uh, at the draft that it's just it's exciting. Um, and especially in mock draft season when you're thinking. The embarrassment of riches the Browns could end up with, so you have to trust the front office with what they're doing. And yeah, they screwed up potentially what could have been an AJ McCarron trade, which, by the way, they might not regret later on because who knows what's going to happen with the quarterback situation. Um, but I'd rather keep them than what you What you said about Hugh Jackson is exactly right. Don't screw up with the quarterbacks, especially with a young kid who has some upside potential in Kaiser. And and you know, kind of, you got to basically keep the ship going without uh, kind of giving away the fact that this season's lost. You know, you kind of got to motivate your players to keep playing. And, and and But don't, you know, tinker with too much. And and I think Hugh Jackson's tinkered with too much here. So if we're choosing one, I think it's it's you keep the front office.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, they've gotten a lot of criticism for not drafting uh, Carson Wentz, but I, I don't think he looks nearly as good at throwing to these receivers as he does in Philly's offense right now. And I think Kaiser has looked a lot better at le- the last two weeks, at least. I think I mean, he threw an interception late yesterday, which was a bad decision. But he's—you got to remember—he's twenty-one. You, Jared Goff was twenty-one last year and playing with a similar supporting cast, and you see how good a, a better coach and a better supporting cast how how much good that did him. So I don't think I think it's too early to to chalk Kaiser up as a bust or a mistake. Yeah. Even.
0: Totally agree. Totally agree, especially because, remember, Wentz's opening season, like Goffs, was not that great. So, yeah, I'm with you. Let's, you know, let's let's reserve judgment until year three, year four, you know, on, on quarterback, especially young guys. Um, our final uh, 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 segment, uh, as we always do, is, is start, bench, cut, a little game of, you know, if you were forced to start, bench, or cut uh, one of these players, what would you do? And this actually relates to what we're talking about. Good job by us, by the way, putting together um, – a lot of things that segue very nicely into each other. That was not by design, um, but we got three guys. We would start bench cut, and this is both real life. I think and fantasy, I'd say um, more fantasy for me than than real life. But who would you start bench cut here? Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Danny Woodhead. We've got.
1: So I I think the obvious choice is to start Josh Gordon just because he has the most upside. The next two are it's a, that's a difficult choice for me. I think Woodhead. In another situation, might be the more productive player, but Alex Collins is kind of—he's looked good when he's gotten his carries. So I'm not sure how many—that's—that's that's a crowded backfield. So I'm not sure how many carries Woodhead is going to get. I think he's—he's going to be a factor in the passing game. If if, if it's a PPR league, I think you—you you bench Woodhead and cut Coleman. But in standard leagues, I—I I, I think I'm going to bench Coleman and cut Woodhead.
0: Interesting, very interesting, because I might start Corey Coleman. Um, bench Josh Gordon, cut Danny Woodhead, although in a few weeks I've picked up Danny Woodhead. So here's my thinking, right? Corey Coleman is the receiver who's last played an NFL down um, sooner than Josh Gordon did. And I think Josh Gordon needs a little while, and I wrote about this a few weeks ago when Gordon was reinstated um, temporarily, or what is it, you know, with limited reinstatement. I think Josh Gordon next year will be a huge... You know, fantasy factor. You know, the reports are that he's run a really speedy forty, so he's, his athleticism did not leave him in the last couple of years. Um, but when you get back to the NFL after two plus seasons of of being gone, you know, you got to get used to the speed, got to get used to the, the you know the physicality of it, maybe some of the conditioning stuff. I don't know if Josh Gordon's a fantasy factor this year or a real life factor, frankly, for that matter. I think Corey Coleman coming back from injury with a little bit of the rapport that he had with Kaiser. I think he's the guy. So I'm I'm starting him, um, and I own him in a couple of leagues. I'm kind of excited to see if, if he's a factor at all, especially because the Browns in garbage time can kind of, you know, throw the ball a little bit. But if I'm in a keeper league, Josh Gordon's my guy. And then with Danny Woodhead, I kind of have to hang on to him, especially in PPR leagues, because he might get the ball out and we know Joe Flacco likes to check down. The problem is, as you said, Alex Collins is going to get 14 to 15 carries a game at most, um, and, and they still have Buck Allen, who can still catch passes out of the backfield. So it's kind of a, a tough situation to figure out.
1: So my thinking on Gordon is just that he, he has the best chance of actually making a difference for your team. I think you're right. I think Coleman's probably the safer bet, but I think Gordon is probably the the, the bet that's more likely to pay off.
0: Yeah it's a question of upside versus versus sort of consistency. And this is the, you can, we could do an entire second podcast about my thoughts about in fantasy. You know, if you want to draft a team that mixes, you know, explosivity versus consistency. And so, yeah, if Josh Gordon is your guy, he's your explosivity guy. He's either all or nothing this season. And Corey Coleman might be a, a more consistent week to week guy. Uh, So we'll see with that I'm very intrigued uh, on all three of those guys. All right, let's end our show, as we always do with our top five teams uh, this year. I'll start off uh, just to get it over with. Um, I've I got to keep the Patriots up there. There's still the Patriots, and that just ekes them out over the Eagles, even though the Eagles, like you said, are the better team, which I totally agree with. Um, the Patriots keep finding ways to win, and that's it. And uh, also, fantasy-wise, very nervous about their backfield situation. I think Rex, Rex Burkhead is going to be a big factor going forward. Um, my number three team behind the Eagles – the Steelers are still there, even though, man, they, they really uh, you know gave everybody a heart attack there in Pittsburgh this week. Number four, we talked about them. The Saints, I think, are, are a top five team right now. I think they uh, deserve that spot. And number five, it's either Vikings or the Rams. I'm going to go with the Vikings. I just am I'm more impressed by them as a team. I think the Rams still have some growing to do. Um, but they're number six on my list. Uh, what's yours?
1: I have the Patriots at number one. I just think they have the best coach. They have the best quarterback and their defense is playing well enough to not screw that up. And then I'll go with the Eagles, number two. Like I said earlier, they've looked like the best team the whole the whole season. I have the Saints at number three. I, I'm on record as being really high on that defense, and I think the offense has room to improve, so I think they can get better. And then I have the Steelers at four. They drop after... Uh, not a good performance in indianapolis yesterday and then i'm gonna go with the seahawks at five instead of the rams i just i still think the seahawks are the class of that division i think the rams have to take it from them before i'm ready to buy in
0: and i think i I think the defense will be fine without richard Richard Sherman. Sherman.
1: yeah i think they'll be fine without richard sherman i think earl thomas is i mean it's obviously better with richard sherman i think he's he allows them to play more man coverage because he can match up against the best guy, but Shaq Griffin has been pretty good at the number two spot, and Earl Thomas is really the key to that offense. I mean, that defense. I think he he allows them to play the way that they like to play.
0: I will say that I am very nervous about the Seahawks, as you can see. <laughs> I'm not so sure. You know, Richard Sherman obviously isn't the same Richard Sherman he once was, but still, it's like you lose an you know, emotional part of the defense, you know, if you want to factor that in. And the offensive line, man, I wrote about this last week with Russell Wilson, like that play where he he threw it, uh, you know, th- that Thursday night play where he threw to Doug Baldwin, you know, three guys on him basically, you know, knocking him down as he's throwing off his back foot. You know, that just <laughs> does not give me confidence that the Seahawks are that great of a team, but we will see uh, uh, next week. Anything, any closing thoughts? You can refute it. I'll give you the last word if you want.
1: Can we give Doug Baldwin some credit for that play? I, everyone yes. was going crazy about Russell Wilson. Doug Baldwin had to d- steal an interception away. That was a terrible decision. <laughs>
0: That's
1: it was. a terrible decision. I mean, he made a good play to avoid the rush, but that was the bad decision that Doug Baldwin, Baldwin bailed him out
0: with totally he he leaped as high as the catch Uh, you know that was that was totally you know vintage 49ers tight end jumping you know that high because man he had to get up you know climb the ladder and then you know went downfield nearly for the touchdown crazy stuff uh and that's it for us this week uh hope you guys enjoyed we'll see you next week when we discuss week 12 and we get closer to the playoffs thanks for listening